0: Uh, you're listening to Hamish and... Smithers. Right now we're going to be chatting to Stephen Zagala, who is currently the senior curator of Life Aquatic, which is on at Manash, Monash Gallery of Art until February 26th. How are you doing, Stephen? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm pretty good. Um, so Life Aquatic, uh, from what I've read, it plunges the viewer into underwater landscapes where life forms are suspended, interne- interconnected, and bubbling with quiet potential. Is that pretty much what the uh basis of the uh, exhibition is?
1: That's a good descriptor, I mm-hmm. think. Yeah. Do you want to expand well, upon I that? can say that because I wrote that description. <laughs> you wrote that? Alright, great.
0: So I'm just reading your words now. <laughs> what photographers are included in the exhibition?
1: Well, we've got three photographers and you know, Monash Gallery of Art specialises in photography as a medium. So I guess in picking the three photographers, I tried to get a full breadth of what photography might mean today. So it goes from highly constructed, digitally manipulated work by someone who did all special effects on Harry Potter films. Through to a kind of street photographer who works underwater, just mm-hmm. snapping what the action you know, under the waves. And then at the other end of the extreme, a photographer called Ruth Madison, who in these works hasn't used a camera at all. She's yeah. just used photographic shapes. She shape uses butter.
0: the seaweed kind of stuff to. Um, yeah. yeah, that's. Yeah, that, I read that and I was like, that's <laughs> incredible. So I think yeah, I'm going to have to check I this out. I
1: guess most people who have any familiarity with dark rooms have done a what are called photograms, where mm-hmm. you just put the paper down and you put objects on top of the, the paper and then you expose it to light and the shadows show up as a, a kind of flattened image. And this is similar to that, although what she does is she does it outside and it might the exposure might last for hours or days at a time where you put seaweed across old photographic paper that you've got. And the paper starts to change. Uh, you start to get silhouettes and, and shadows and, and then when you're happy with it, you fix it in a chemical and. And there's your print. Beautiful. So, so it's nice. And these days, I suppose, we become more and more obvious that photography is all sorts of things to a lot of different people. And it can involve cameras. It can involve film. Some people might get right into the alchemy and the chemistry of it all. Other people might be more interested in the, the speed and the hyper-real qualities of digital photography. So those three photographers, I suppose, show the full breadth of Photography today. Yeah, so
0: they ha- the Harry Potter-related one—that's um, <laughs> Catherine Nelson. <laughs> yeah, right? that's right. Yeah. Yep. So just reading up on her, she digitally combines and distorts photographs taken from actual environments, and her newest series has got to do with submarine perspectives.
1: Yeah. Yeah, well, all her last uh, three bodies of work, I suppose, have been under the water perspectives. Look, she went to art school and then she went off and worked in the film industry for 10 years and then she reconstituted her own personal studio in Belgium. And obviously she's used all these techniques that she's learned working in film to create quite fantastic landscapes using all of this photographic material. But she might just go out into a backyard and she might have a little pond there and she'll stick her hands into the water with a submergible camera and take hundreds of photos and then go back inside and stitch them all together on a computer. It's less. Less.
2: I actually think that's a really cool job. So like, what made you think about like why you wanted it first to like the aquatic art gallery? Like, what,
1: why did I, why was I interested in that theme? Yeah. Well, I guess there was a few things that were converging for me. I'm really conscious that Something that photographers like to take photographs of are subjects where there's lots of refraction of light. You know, photographers love cloudy, moody skies. You've got moisture in the air. Mm. You love the end of day, the sunset, all those kind of shimmering kind of effects that you can get, which is essentially about water being between the camera and the subject so that light is refracting everywhere or reflecting. I actually Um, think
2: that's a really cool job, like, to be able to, like, (laughs) do underwater, like taking photos and stuff like that. Like, I me, mean, I'm a big fan of science where, like, I love researching about, like, underwater cities and, like, there's, I guess, one off the edge of South or East China. But my question would be, like, if you had to do underwater, like, photography, do you believe, like, there would be these kind of landscapes still underwater?
1: I think so. I'd hope so. And I think just the hope is something that is really attracts people to the underwater world. It is like an other an otherworldly place. Yeah. We know that more of the surface of the Earth is covered by water than isn't covered by water. We know there's unfathomable depths. And did you see those cameras? They dropped down underneath Antarctica recently and they just accidentally found this amazing coral garden there. Yeah. Um, well, so yeah. I suppose it's that sense of mystery and otherworldliness. And and for artists thinking about their place in the world today and where we might go, it's a kind of something they can project fantasies onto and hopes and ideas about how life might be different.
0: And judging by how we're going, we could almost imagine the rest of the world becoming life aquatic with how stuff's going with global warming and everything. Mm. And I guess, does that mean this exhibition kind of has a strong message when it comes to that, like, how the environment's changing and... Water levels arise in and everything to do with that
1: yeah it does have a strong message uh, it's not a global it's warming. not a didactic <laughs> <laughs> message because we are Our next show is actually associated with the climate festival which is coming up and I won't talk too much about that because I'm sure Swirls. you guys want to <laughs> c- cover it later on when we were you back in <laughs> yeah but <laughs> but that is really about global warming that that show this is really more uh, more vaguely and poetically about uh, the importance of water to it's our a existence. Yeah. yeah a celebration of that and you know, I guess there's a few ideas that come out of the aquatic life for me. One is that we're all connected. You know, all life forms are connected to each other. We live in an ecological condition. Hey, we
2: kind of, kind of <laughs> like us mammals, we kind of walked out of the sea and then we kind of, <laughs> of turned into, like, big mammals. But, you know, like, yeah. you can kind of argue with that on a political but a religious belief as well. But, you know.
1: Yeah, but, you know, it's kind of one of our conceits, I suppose, as upright humanists, I think, for us as, you know, individual things in the oh. world and not things that are connected to our environment and our life depends on our relationship with you know our ecology. We, we are, are we not kinda, alone. We kind of need water. So it's <laughs> a little bit yeah. essential. <laughs> we need water. Um,
0: do you have a favourite piece from the exhibition?
1: Do I have a favourite piece? Is that look, a bit hard? No, nah, look, I guess... Mm. Uh, there's a series by uh, by Narelle Altio which has these little kids just being tossed about in the surf. They're mm-hmm. underwater shots of kids in the surf. And every time I see it, it just brings back those memories of being dunked in the surf as a oh, kid. That's, kind of, you know, yeah. that's yeah. happened
2: to me before I've had a massive wave <laughs> come over me and I like nearly got drowned. I was you know, like...
1: Right. Ah! Salt water up your nose, you know, sand (laughs) (laughs) in your bathers, you know, just that sense of being completely discombobulated by the forces of nature. And just the silence,
0: and the silence underwater is something, yeah. which, yeah, you can't really capture that. For me, I can't really capture that with photography. Like, you see it, you understand the silence, like, because everyone's kind of experienced going to the beach and being underwater and just the, it's almost just dead earth
1: yeah that's really interesting yeah I hadn't really thought about that but that's certainly another aspect I suppose of of the underwater world that supports this idea of being different and like of another place suddenly you haven't got sound mm. and that feels like you've crossed the threshold.
0: Yeah. Well Stephen how about you? How did you end up where you are now? <laughs> What's your pathway?
1: Doing curating. Yeah
0: doing curating.
1: Yeah look curating's a popular kind of vocation these days I think. I hear lots of people calling themselves curators but part <laughs> of that is that the term has been broadened out a lot. People in the music industry actually started calling themselves curators when they were selecting lineups for big festivals mm. so curating has come to mean just arranging a menu of things to look at I suppose which is part of what a museum curator does but curating in a museum the term really comes from this idea of, well it's related to this idea of curing meats Hmm. you know like it's a Latin term for preserving meats so really what I do as a curator is I um, you know it's like curing culture I select little bits of culture that I want to preserve tie them up into sausages keep them as well as I can (laughs) and slice them up and make exhibitions out of them over time I feel like you're going to be a restaurant owner (laughs) uh, after (laughs) you finish this this is a very tasty metaphor (laughs) But um, look, all right, so curators are basically, you know, curators, I think of curating as like a, a skill, like writing. You still have to have something to say or something yeah, to do. And I suppose curators come in different forms depending on what they want to say, what their background is. So, you know, you obviously have social history curators and, and art curators and other kinds of curators. I come to curating from an art history background. Yeah. So I studied art history and wrote about contemporary art for a decade and, and then moved into the museum sector.
0: Have you ever done art yourself?
1: Uh, yeah, I've had a few exhibitions a few. over the oh, years, well, but that's going back a long time,
0: right? What kind of what kind of styles did you go for? Were you a photographer? Uh, I
1: was Get your
0: own seaweed, you <laughs> no. <know what? laughs>
1: no, I didn't have any organic matter, but I certainly did work with photographic medium. Yeah. Do
2: um, you get to like travel a lot around? Like mainly only in Australia or overseas or
1: I've had some pretty good travel opportunities recently and, yeah, it really helps me do my work if I can travel and and look at what artists are doing elsewhere and and bring things in from further afield into the local scene to stimulate. uh, Have you had, like, any
2: put-offs at all? Like, especially with, like, seaweed? Because, like, when you go to eat sushi, you'd be like, I don't want to do this anymore.
1: (laughs) No, this got you haven't. laughing.
0: No, <laughs> um, do you, I'll touch on countries. Then you've obviously travelled and everything. Do you have a place that is kind of almost an inspiration, or where you mm. have fine real good cultural artworks that you've been able to bring back as a curator?
1: Yeah, look, I and this is interesting because I hadn't thought about this relating to this show of Life <coughs> Aquatic, but I have a particular connection with Vanuatu. I was born out in Vanuatu. Oh, beautiful! And as a young oh, kid, you lucky thing. And then I, <laughs> left when I was a baby, but then I went back years later and did a lot of heritage work through UNESCO, working with the National Museum, particularly preserving or or preserving, setting up festivals to celebrate practices that were performative. So I was particularly looking at things that were drawn in the sand and then brushed away quickly afterwards after the songs and dances have happened. So, look, to go back, uh, yeah, I have a strong connection with Mm Vanuatu and certainly the idea of Life Aquatic... Yeah. It's certainly informed by my imagining of the Pacific and my knowledge that there's sunken islands with lost civilizations. Yes, I to, love know, that. That's what I'm interested in too. I was going <laughs> to
2: ask you that question. You <laughs> saw it.
1: And there's submarine volcanoes and all sorts of kind of crazy stuff going on under the water. But I guess if I was going to come back to your question, what I continue to find very inspiring about the traditions of the Western Pacific, if you like, is their interest in oral culture and dynamic culture and, and not preserving things forever, saying, you know, we've got to put it in a glass cabinet. But art is only meaningful when it's meaningful, making meaning yeah. for people. When a people memory really rather
0: than it. something to just... To discover it. It's not like... Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: I mean, I often think the distinction is between a kind of passive appreciation and reflection and a desire to engage and do something with it, to be inspired by it, for something to actually move you on rather than just leave you in a position you know, oh, isn't that
0: beautiful, you know, or something You like don't need that.
2: a camera for everything. <laughs> uh, speaking of
0: uh, cameras, I guess, um, uh, so The Life Aquatic as a title, is that a reference
2: to Wes Anderson then?
1: S- Yeah, I think so. <laughs> 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 Who, did, you, did, you, did you not name it? Did you not name it? Uh, no, I did name it. I'm just being coy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a beautiful title. It's a beautiful film. I dropped the, 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 it's yeah. not the life of quality. So you
0: don't. So, so uh, Wes <laughs> Anderson doesn't give you a call. One time.
2: <laughs> so I'm going to um. sue you.
1: <laughs> it's a beautiful, poetic title, and I was listening to a lot of the Sue York. I think you say his name. His soundtrack, which is all those David Bowie songs sung in Portuguese, do do this, last yeah. year. So, and that has a kind of watery, drifty, kind of otherworldly quality to it so I that was in the head space for that curating yeah and I do like a bit of you know method curating you know <laughs> getting into the zone and feeling what it's what it's got to feel like
2: mm, cool. um well that's
0: pretty much all we have time for today thank you so much Steve for coming in to chat with us
1: pleasure Pleasure. I'll Um, let you get on with your jam-packed... And if
0: people want any more information about Life Aquatic, uh, where should they go? What should they look for?
1: Um, Look, the best thing is always a website these days, and the gallery does have a very easy website, mga.org.au. But, yeah, look, the show runs through to 26th of February. Uh, We're open the kind of hours you expect galleries to open. We open at 10, you know, Tuesday to Friday, and then on the weekends from 12 to 5.
0: Great. That's awesome. I'll be sure to check it out. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks so much for coming in.